What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ever felt judged at the gym? You don't know how to use the leg curl machine? At Planet Fitness, get energy without the judgment. Join the judgment-free zone today during the big fitness energy sale for 24 cents down, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, January 12th. See Home Club for details. We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. No Sarah this week because she's weak and got a cold and she's all pathetic and she's coughing and we don't want to be hearing that, do we? But instead, what we do want to be hearing is the wonderful, beautiful, dulcet tones of Chris Frost. Hello. (laughs) No pressure on your dulcet tones there. No, and I feel like my accent doesn't lend itself to dulcet. I think it does. Do you? Yeah, I think so. You have a you have a wonderful voice. Very much Thank enjoy you. it. I don't think I could listen to like an audiobook of myself reading anything for any period of time. Yeah, I I mean I I could listen to your audiobook, but yeah, I get listening to, to your own. But also we were just talking before we started recording. Chris, my wonderful guest, also used to do a podcast and so you know through editing how painful it is to hear your voice over and yeah. over again, right? I stopped. Unless anyone like, <laughs> said they wanted something cut, we used to just like cut the start, cut the end, Did turn you? in, and it became quick and probably riddled with mistakes. But yeah, you didn't have to listen <laughs> to yourself ask Indian questions over and over again. Oh, for me, it's the sound of my breathing and my vo- just my laugh. Everything is just awful. So I... Yeah, but that's a smart way of doing it. Not editing is the way to do it. Yeah, save yourself a bunch of time. Oh, that does sound really smart, actually. This is really boring for other people, but like, I used to cut breaths. I used to, I, I would get, right, like, I'm a bit fastidious with it, but. Oh, man, no, we'd have, like, Rob Parker filled most of our episodes with his, like, manic laughter. That, at the start, <laughs> we had to adjust the volume of him so that it wouldn't be, like, melt your brain. Like, yeah. <laughs> But in the end, we oh, thought that's wow. what the people want, so give it to them. Give the people what they want. Yeah, careful what you wish for. But thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your wonderful new book. Very exciting. Thanks for having me. I, I felt like sort of rude when I messaged you out of the blue and were like, let me come on. Not at all. It was a pleasure to hear from you and a delight to have you on. I would. It's one of those things where I, 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 we met at Capital Crime. And it's so nice to meet so many people, but I also don't want to be that dick at a festival when people are trying to relax and have fun and like be cool. And be like, you trying to cut my podcast. Like, that's really annoying. So I appreciated you taking that part out for me. That was nice. So I would have asked you anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, well, I'm glad it's worked out. It has, because here we are. Uh, I've got, as you know, you know how the podcast works. I've got a little bio about you, which I have written. Uh, and if it's wrong, it's all my fault. Sarah's not here to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm <laughs> sorry. You've just got me. But here we go. <clears throat> Chris Frost, a.k.a. Chris McDonald, grew up in Northern Ireland. He's the author of 10 crime books, including the Erica Piper trilogy and the Stonebridge Mysteries. He's also a scriptwriter and a regular voice on the Blood Brothers podcast and Friends of the North. His first book under the Chris Frost moniker is The Killer Christmas List. The gripping new festive detective crime thriller novel with a chilling twist that's out on the 23rd of November. In the picturesque village of Kibblesworth, great place by the way, uh, (laughs) D.I. Tom Stoneham is dreaming of a quiet Christmas alone. But in the shadow of the Angel of the North, a body lies waiting. The dead man is posed with a child's Christmas list in his pocket and the first mysterious item, one, no angel, is crossed off. When a second body is found, a woman stabbed in the abdomen after her Christmas work due, Donham is convinced there's a grim connection between the scenes and the seemingly innocent list. Two, red party dress. Could this be a murderer's twisted code? 
As a blizzard rages around Tynanware countryside, the body count is snowballing. I see what you did. That's very good. Can Stoneham stop the killer before they get everyone on their Christmas list? Outside of writing, Chris now lives in the appropriately named, named Marple with his wife and two daughters. He supports Liverpool Football Club, is undefeated at air hockey and enjoys heavy metal and dogs. He's also incredibly charming and funny and is a delight to spend any time with. I, I might, that, that last bit, I don't think I wrote, did I? I know I got that from Goodreads. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote that bit because it's true, well, Chris. That's very lovely. And yeah, I, I put the air hockey thing out because that's quite a big claim, isn't it? And I, it is. People don't believe it, but I've never, <laughs> I've never been beaten. So wow. if anyone's out there while I'm bite, I'm up for a challenge. Okay, but the thing is, how many games have you played? Because if you've only played like two air hockey games, it's quite easy to be undefeated. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've probably not played competitively in about four years, but before then... Competitively? <laughs> you're a professional! <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I used to live by like a, a sort of cinema and, you know, like the arcade beside it and stuff when I was younger, um, before okay. I moved over to England. So I, I played quite regularly. Okay, so you were hustling in your youth. Yeah, for yeah, hockey tables, refreshers on Northern Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. Okay, so you've played a few games. You're not just it's not just a cop out. One and done. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we need to petition Harrogate to bring an air hockey table this year, next year. Yeah, and chain me to it. That could be a very fun event, a tournament. Yeah, we've just yeah, we could program it for them. Done. Okay. Uh, Sharon Canover, if you're listening. <laughs> She's not. She's not listening. Anyway, enough about air hockey, although it's very interesting. Let's talk about you and your brilliant new book, because it's great. I, was, I spoiled it before by saying I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a really well-written, very detailed police procedural with a Christmassy twist. That's very kind. What inspired the Christmas twist? It came about through a chat with my editor uh, at Harper North, and we were sort of kicking around some ideas, and there's there's like a lot of, well, there's a sort of, I think, a, a, an emergence of quite a lot of Christmas crime coming mm-hmm. out, which is quite cool, and a lot of it was yeah. cosy, which I guess is what people want at Christmas. So when we were sort of discussing ideas, we thought, should we go the other way and make it like a proper, like, sort of bloody... Un-cozy. Yeah, <laughs> anti yeah anti cozy i think it says on the back or somewhere so yeah that that was like sort of where the initial thing started and then um it was sort of fleshed it out from there amazing are you a christmasy person um yeah i am i think even more so since i've had children because it's sort of sort of more about them isn't it when you when they're at like a nice age and stuff um but yeah i've always liked it i'm a <laughs> i'm a big fan of like christmas lights <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah i get that it makes me like i quite like winter because I, i'm like hot all the time so i welcome <laughs> cold air in my house so um <laughs> there's, there's something about winter that i just really like so yeah i think this year as well i've had like christmas music on early this year because i know that the book's been coming out so um I've been mm-hmm. like in the spirit this year even more than ever so um <laughs> yeah people are not already sick of christmas music in my house Actually, I was going to say the tagline of the book is set, sing it for the people on the front cover. Well, I won't sing it because that people turn off. <laughs> Not at all. But it, it's clever, isn't it? Um, all it they want clever. for Christmas is you. And I should say that and everything that was good on the back is not me. You inspired it, so I think you can take the credit for it. But has Mariah Carey reached out yet? Is she going to sue you for that? <laughs> Well, that's why I'm saying it's not me, so that it's not my okay. head on the block. It's, it's all the people at Harper North. She's coming for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So let's talk a bit more about the characters here, because I love I love Tom. Thank you. I think he's great. And I love his relationship with his other detectives as well, with Lauren. And I think it's such a... So is this the start of a series now? Well, it's a one book thing at the moment. Okay. We don't know. I think it's sort of comes down to like sales pretty much so if if people respond well to it then there might well be more because i want to see more yeah i do i i really got the like it sounds like a sort of wankery author thing to say but oh wank away yeah (laughs) you get like you really get a feel for the character especially because like you read it a hundred times during the edits trying to get it right and things so 
yeah, I think you be, you just get to know all of them so well, and like they sort of live inside your head for a year. And I always really like, like I think the the, the dumb thing sort of in detective stories of the past was like really fractious relationships between different people. But I sort of set out to to make a team that I'd like to be part of. So they're all kind of laid back, and there's a bit of humor, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, I sort of set out to make this nice team that were like worked well together. Even the boss like sort of joins in with with their, their kind of banter and stuff. So yeah, yeah. that's nice. You notice that. And um, the thing I do at the start before I write anything is um, like find actors that I think would be perfect for the role. Um, so I've got Ooh. like a little folder of people that are those people, and it helps. Uh, sort of, I don't know. I might not even like use the descriptions. If you know what I mean, but but in my head. I sort of know the yeah. mannerisms and things like that. Well, now you have to tell us who's on your cast list. Ooh, um, the main character, Tom, I think I'd say it in the book, actually, but Reese Shearsmith from Inside Number Nine. <sighs> I love Reese Shearsmith. Oh, I do. I just think he's class. He's amazing. He's such a grumpy bastard, yeah. but in the best way. Like, it's, yeah, it's gold. Yeah, that's a great choice, actually. I like that a lot. And I can't remember the rest now. One of them, Phil, one of, like, the sort of... DCs or whatever he was, um, was uh, someone Marsden, not James. And that's totally wrong. No, it's not. I, I can't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Keep it a mystery about it. <laughs> and that's great as well, because now when hopefully the rights get picked up to this at some point, maybe Rishi Smith can play him. It's right oh, for man. him. Uh, but yeah, I'd really like to meet him as well. I think he'd be <gasps> a very intense man, but I think, yeah, I, you know, you could learn a lot from him and I love Inside Number Nine so much, and to Me see too. like how he makes himself be a different character each time. All of the, I mean, him and Steve Pemberton as well. I just think, yeah, they're so clever. Oh, I I grew up. League of Gentlemen was like my whole world when I was younger, so I've always been obsessed with them. And Inside Number Nine is genius. And I've been lucky enough to see them do at the BFI. They often show the new episodes of Inside Number Nine, and oh. they always come and do a Q and A. So I've seen them a few times, and. They're always amazing and so interesting and funny. My favourite thing in the world, though, is when people ask about the twists, because Reese is like, there doesn't always have to be a twist. Like, everyone says, stop talking about the twists, because it's like, oh, it's really hard. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Inside the Line is genius, but... Did you watch so Psychoville? I loved Psychoville. Sorry, I'm getting off topic, but... This no, 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 no. I loved it. Yeah, I loved Psychoville. I was so sad there wasn't another season of that, but I loved it. No. Yeah, I agree. And the great mm. thing about going to children's parties now is that a lot of them play Superman. <laughs> Mr. Jelly? Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. And, and, and they came back for Inside Number Nine. Yeah. That was a special episode. Yeah. Oh, so good. I will I will talk about you. Like one, what a fun thing. One Halloween, I dressed as Silent Singer, and it was probably my best work to date in terms oh, of man. costume. Do you have a good photo? I do. I'll send it to you after this. But like, it took me ages to get it right because, yeah, so good. I might have to rewatch Silent. I actually normally watch. God, I'll talk about you in a minute. I'm so sorry, but I normally rewatch the Halloween episode of Psychoville every year because it's so good. Yeah, mm. you've got good taste. That's what I'm learning here. <laughs> it's good stuff. But okay, so you've touched a little bit. You've hinted at a bit of a process there when you talked about casting the the characters in your head. So a question, as you know, we like to ask all of our guests is, what do you like most and least about the writing process? Oh, well, most. Um, I've made notes. Um, I really You're like good. the... F- <laughs> Absolute <laughs> loser. I really like the first draft. Oh, controversial. Yeah, I know. I think the sort of whole build up to it, I love like having the idea and I like seeing that idea be fleshed out and... I mean, like, I'm not saying it's all Jolly Roses and stuff, you know, but <laughs> the sort of, um, I don't know what Jolly Roses are. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, yeah, Jolly Ranchers, was that the thing? I think that you you maybe, yeah, like Cadbury's Roses and Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, I've gone wrong somewhere, but hey-ho. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really like that thing of, like, this world and these people don't really exist, but you're making them do all the stuff that, you've been sort of thinking about for months beforehand or whatever so yeah it's nice to see sort of all the planning and all the forethought actually become this thing and i think when i wrote my first lot of books i would sort of worry about the first draft being like 
tight. I always really like I would I would write a chapter, then go back and edit that and then move on. But I actually really like the process now of just getting it done and <laughs> worrying about whether or not it makes sense in later <laughs> drafts kind of thing. But yeah, just that just that initial like sort of flurry of ideas. Yeah. And least? Least. I the publishing industry can be quite slow. <laughs> Like yeah, um, I've known about this book for for over a year. I started writing it around this time last year, and I like I think that's actually quite fast. Like having yeah, it, that sounds fast. Yeah, but I, mm. I what I've realized is I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, so and I didn't think I ever was, but I like to know all the details. And Harper North have been amazing at that. Like any as soon as they find stuff out, they've let me know and whatever. But yeah, I just thought <laughs> I just. I realized that I'd like to be in control of absolutely everything. And that is, it's not the industry for that. Yeah, no. And I, that's a, I've, I mean, I've spoken to a few authors. I know a few now and often they're like, oh, I've heard that my book has been uh, translated in this country. Didn't know that. That's fun. What a fun surprise. Like often or yeah. So that's, that's good that they keep you in the loop. That yeah, is a rare they've thing. been class. Like literally it feels like as soon as they find out, I have an email sort of telling me what's coming up and, and I'm going up to the northeast in a few days to to do some signings and waterstones and things like that. And like I, I've 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 been with an indie press before this, so this like everything is new to me. When I was with Red Dog, who I absolutely loved as well, I did like all all the sort of shout outs and I arranged things like that. Whereas people are doing it for me, and it's mad. <laughs> Good. Well, that's amazing. You've obviously you know you've earned it. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean. It's- well deserved so good for you that's awesome and exciting doing signings and stuff do you enjoy that part of the yeah thing? like i haven't done many of them um because like being with an indie you're not really in shops and things like that so um sure yeah uh i'm going to i'm doing like one at waterstones gateshead durham the bound up in whitley bay and then in a few weeks time i fly back to northern ireland and i'm doing like balamina belfast Corain. so yeah i'm really excited to have like this sort of new avenue to explore and get to go home for a bit yeah which i'm really excited That's about exciting yeah yeah be nice home turf my auntie yeah. is um a hairdresser and has told literally everyone she's arranged to have like cupcakes and stuff made like oh. it's class people are very very kind that's so lovely. And the hometown show is always the big one, right? With these. Yeah, Waterstones Koreans. Like, that's, that's Wembley. <laughs> that's your Wembley. And that's what yeah. matters. That's amazing. Oh, do you have to take photos of these cupcakes? Yeah, I will. Yeah, online? yeah, I'll be. I don't really like social media is a hard thing because I don't. People are very good at TikTok and I don't. Like, I've not got an account. I don't know how to do it, but people post like snapshots of their thing that become a video mm. and i quite like to learn how to do that i can't imagine it's too difficult but it's just another it. thing isn't it it is another thing and yeah we talk about we talk to a lot of authors who say the same thing as you like well, bloody hell i have to do bloody tiktok now like that's not what you got into writing to do presumably no. <laughs> to make tiktoks so and it's it tough. feels like there's a new one every couple of months as well that you have to sort of start again with yeah blue sky threads yeah tiktok yeah threads is a shame because i remember like signing up to it and thinking because oh, tw- it was like the sort of first one that that came around after twitter was like sort of is it going yeah. is it not and there was a lot of excitement <laughs> that lasted about four hours yeah yeah it's not really taken off as it in the way mm. we all did i think it once twitter has finally died then it might because blue sky is very quiet as well yeah it is yeah eerily what's your go-to one Probably Instagram. Yeah, I would say Instagram. I don't think I'm young or cool enough for TikTok. I do have a TikTok and I do try. I make weird videos on that, but I don't think the kids want my weird videos. I liked your, um, that's a weird hand signal, but uh, the librarian. (laughs) 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 Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thank you. I think kids don't care about cataloging books, I learned. Isn't that weird? The kids on TikTok don't care about uh, my book cataloging. They've got no taste. I know this is the this is the problem with the kids. They don't know. But I think you can make some great ones. You should have filmed yourself dancing with your daughters earlier, and that could have been a TikTok dance. No one needs to see that. (laughs) I know. Make arm based. I think I'd like to see it. It'd be good. You do Superman. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, maybe that's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah, Christmas Day. I'll I'll train the kids up for a month, and then they can be like dress them up as David. And oh my there. god, <laughs> I love how how inappropriate that would be. It'd yeah, be <laughs> really weird. Too weird, maybe. <laughs> never, never too weird. Never too weird. Social services unboxing day. <laughs> <laughs> social services, social media. You know, it's all relative. <laughs> it's whatever works. Any publicity you. is good publicity. Exactly. Yeah, I might sell a couple of books off the back of it. <laughs> You never know. Um, but going back to the writing, and you've obviously written a lot of crime books now. And this book, as I said, the police procedural element feels very accurate and spot on to me. What was the research process like for it? Yeah, well, my first three were also police procedurals, and then yeah. I sort of drifted away from that. It's difficult because I'm quite um, squeamish, so I don't like, <laughs> uh, and, and why write a crime book like, but I... Yeah, you have to look at some stuff that doesn't really like compute with you. I once watched a man, this like really deadpan American man, like shooting the hide of a pig with different guns. And you think like it would be quite a high octane, but you'd be like, this is a nine millimeter browning. (laughs) Then he'd walk over and show you the exit wound. And so that kind of thing was like funny, but also helpful because he sort of measured it and things like that. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I, you went ballistic. Hey, yes, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Got a first pun. There oh, we yeah, go. How that? 27 minutes? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I sort of went a bit crazy in the first three because, I, you know, you like, <laughs> or especially in the first one, because with your debut, you, you want to show that you kind of know what you're talking about. And I guess you build a bit of credibility. But then you quickly realize that people don't actually want to know about every single detail of the police because it get very very boring so i think i think it was neil lancaster said like if you can get three sort of big bits right then then the rest should be fine kind of thing yeah there were a few bits where graham bartlett who's an incredible author also has like a sort of police consulting business um yeah so i chatted to him with with a few bits of it just to see like if what i'd done was right or you know if this happened if a body was somewhere, how would they get to it if it was a bit of an awkward place and stuff? So um, I guess, yeah, just those big bits is where I wanted to get it right. So um, yeah, Graham was really, really helpful. Love Graham. We had he's... him on a little while ago. He's so great. He is, isn't he? He knows his yeah. stuff. He's lived it, man. He really has. But he's also the first to say, similarly to you, that it's for entertainment. So you don't have to write like a police report. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's okay if it's not 100% accurate, because as you say, no one wants to read a police report. No, or like, yeah, pages of someone like hunched over their desk, just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, and great Graham is great, and I, I just find it so funny because he's so nice, and you think, how are you, a superintendent of the police for Brighton? Yeah, but like, yeah, but he did. I don't know if you listened to that episode we did with Graham. No, don't worry if you haven't. This isn't a test. But when we had Graham on, he did his. He he has a tone that he turns on when he's telling people off, and it actually kind of shook me. Oh, right. oh I I haven't listened to that episode actually, but I will tomorrow. It's a great one. Yeah, he does like the angry, not angry, but disappointed kind of thing, and it's like it cuts deep. Like it was really, I was like, I felt so awful. I hadn't even done anything. I was <laughs> such as the power of Graham. I yeah, suppose. Yeah, there you go. Mm. And with the writing, obviously, you got your you got your three big bits that are correct. So that's exciting. As well, but obviously, it's not all about the facts. It's about the beauty of the writing and all of that, which you're very good at too. Um, but what's a line that you've written lately, or from your canon of many books that you are especially proud of? Right, this is the one where I was like, "This is going to be really tough," and I don't know if it's a Northern I've Irish. So much good stuff. <laughs> kind of the other way. Um, it's all oh shit. no! <gasps> no! I think I think, and I don't know if it's a Northern Irish thing, but. If you take pride in your work, you're kind of like laughed at or like people like, oh, yeah. he fancies himself, doesn't he? <laughs> so I don't know. This one, I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm writing a thing at the moment that's not book two of this because, like I said, I don't know if there's going to be one. You don't know. But it's like a sort of, it's a PI thing and it's set in Manchester and it's all a bit like sort of dark and gloomy and stuff. But there's a line in it where I wrote it and I was like, oh, that's like, that's all right. So I thought I'd tell you that one. <laughs> That sounds great. And I'm sure you have, you're a very talented writer and it's okay to be proud of the work that you do. I'm going to say this. I'm, this is a little therapy session that we're going to do quickly. It's good. Yeah. Maybe the whole of Northern (laughs) Ireland just needs this broadcast in there. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have it broadcast in. 
BBC Northern Ireland. <laughs> but yes, I can't wait to hear this line. Well, in the chapter, he sort of had like a really bad day and he's almost gotten like a sort of bar brawl, but it's just been split up before it can happen. And the line is, it was raining outside and that felt just about right. And I thought that's, that's all right. I like that. It? That's very good. Thank you. I like it because it's, it's simple, it's effective and... It's it, re- referring to pathetic fallacy, right? If we're going to use rank, wanky writer things, that's one. There you go. So that's yeah. good. It was pathetic fallacy, but without the need for pathetic fallacy, in a way. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> in a while I since know. I did my English degree. I don't know how these things work anymore. Yeah, me, me too. The only yeah. thing I remember about my English degree is that we had to read Sense and Sensibility, and I was finding it super boring. <laughs> and the night before the lecture, I thought, well, I'll just watch the film and get Close by. Enough. And yeah. I find the film so boring that I had to take my <laughs> T-shirt off and open the windows so that I'd be really cold so I wouldn't <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> you really do run hot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time you've mentioned cold air. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I thought it was quite a recent thing. But um, yeah, that's Maybe like not. 20 years ago or whatever now. You know what? In this economy, that's good. You don't like with heating prices shooting up. Well, you could just heat heat the local area by the sound of things. Yeah, me and my wife are complete different though. She's like, it could be like we were in Spain and she was cold. Wow. So our yeah. house is like a battle of the thermostat. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I have a similar thing. I'm always a bit cold. My husband's very warm. And I have a heat pad on my side of the bed only because I get so cold in the night and he doesn't. So I'm like a little old lady all snuggled <laughs> up. But yeah, so I can relate to your wife's struggles. But Have you got a sofa yeah. blanket? I do. An electric one. Ooh. That's I highly recommend. Forward. Yeah. I recommend it. Also, because I'm in my little office. This is boring for anyone else. Um, but it's, this is off the back of the garage. So it's really cold. So I'm basically straddling a, a, a plug-in heater right now um, for warmth. <laughs> And I do also have a throw for when it gets really bad, really, like the electric throw for when it gets really cold. But um, yeah. What is your wife? What's her preferred method? Of uh, seven blankets. Seven blankets. <laughs> nice. Like a princess. Yeah. <laughs> With a pee. Yeah, she's got a couple of blankets while I'm sitting there in like shorts and a t-shirt and <laughs> absolutely boiling. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oh God. So how did you find the heat waves of recent uh, years? I, I, I had two fans because I've recently started working from home. So I literally had two tire fans on either side, like one on either side of me, <laughs> going full. It's it. brutal. Yeah, it really is difficult. Yeah. Do you write full time? No. It's, well, not author. I, I I was a teacher up until March. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, And then I had been writing a few scripts for a podcast, sort of freelance, and then uh, got offered a full time thing with it. Amazing. Yeah. So took that opportunity. Felt a bit bad because I left in March and I was teaching year six. So like sats and stuff were coming up. And my wife was like, you've just got to be selfish because... A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and kids need to learn about disappointment from a young age. I think it's, it just sets the precedent, doesn't it? Yeah. For the rest of their lives. And also my wife yeah. was like, in a couple of months, they won't even remember you. Like, who are you? <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure you <laughs> left an indelible mark on their lives, but now it's ruined. So that's fine. <laughs> no, you've done the right thing. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's fun. Is the podcast, I mean, we can go, we have to include this part, but is it is it crime-based or is it not crime? It's crime-based. Yeah, so it's called Detectives Don't Sleep. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's read by the guy who did the voice of the Gremlins. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. So he's got this like really like Southern, I think he's from California, but he's got like this, like he smoked 40 a day and he's like grizzled. <laughs> But yeah, so we do like a sort of, it's all true crime. It's a case from like history. It's really fun. Wow. So you do a lot of research, historical research and stuff. Yeah. And like some, the most recent one I wrote was like 92. And then I've written one like 1874 or something. So um, yeah, it just ranges. It's really lovely. Like lovely is not the right word for crime, but just, (laughs) I guess surreal maybe to think like these detectives like a hundred years ago. We're, we're going through the same stuff as people are now, and it's it's really interesting to see how it's changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Has anything you've done uh, from that informed any of your own writing? Have you like picked up any facts or anything? Thought, oh, this would be good for a book, actually. Um, not. I remember like when I first when I wrote the first one, they were kind of like, 
Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's Golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery and I saw the Golo commercial and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. What about a dulcimer where she put she'd been like poisoned and it was someone had put like poison on the strings and then as she was licking the pages she was taking it in so clever yeah it kind of just got me thinking about like the sort of don't know if the twist is the right word but sort of um they're short they're only about like 40 minutes long and trying to fit in like it's true but you still have to have like exciting bits or whatever so i guess pacing was a bit of a thing Yeah, yeah yeah It's cool. That's really interesting. That that um the poison thing reminds me of that Jonathan Creek. Do you ever watch Jonathan Creek? No. Oh, you don't watch enough TV. I'm going to say it. <laughs> you need to stop writing and doing productive things with your life, like spending time with your family and your children and stuff, and just watch more TV. Yeah. Well, there's my New Year's resolution sort of. <laughs> You've already neglected a bunch of year sixes. You might as well neglect your own children <laughs> and just selfishly just watch a lot of crime TV because Jonathan Creek pretty good. Yeah. It's not as good as Poirot, but it's pretty good. Okay. There we go. Well, but speaking of characters, oh yes, <laughs> like Jonathan Creek, seamless transition there. If you had to be a character from one of your books, who would you be and why? Well, the Stonebridge mysteries are like I wrote six of them, and they're only a hundred page novella kind of things. But I wrote them in lockdown because I was homesick, and it's pretty much me, the main character, and my friend Colin, um, who's <laughs> called Colin in it. <laughs> Original, thinking. <laughs> and he's tall and ginger and pretty good at everything. And that's how he is in real life. Aww. So I pretty much wrote that just as a little like nod to home. It's set in a fictional town called Stonebridge, but it is cool rain. And it was just a nice way of being home. So in it, Adam's the main character that is me, probably. He's a bit like lazier than me. I, like we sort of meet <laughs> when he's a bit like lying on the sofa, scratching himself and asking his mom for a sandwich and I was never <laughs> never like that I was I was always like on the go kind of thing but he's squeamish and he's a bit like doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and stuff and that was me in my early 20s probably so yeah I'd say that probably is me the one I'd want to be is is probably from my PI novel called Little Ghost um and he's like a sort of like a sort of wisecracking uh I think it's it's been a while since I wrote it. It's set in Denver, but I think he's from New York. And he's, yeah, he's like all action, knows how to work a gun, can batter people, all the stuff that I can't do. So if I had to hey. be one, I'd, I'd pick him. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I'm sure you could batter someone if you really wanted to. Are you? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, you're too nice. That's the only reason why. Yeah. But then, you know, like you hear these people like, oh, they were so nice. And then they went like on a rampage. Until they weren't. Maybe yeah. that's lurking. Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but we'll uh, we want to jump ahead of ourselves. So you are squeamish. You've mentioned that a couple of times now. Why are you writing crime? <laughs> um... I think it's what I've always read, really. So that's the sort of natural thing of yeah, what I'd want to write. I remember reading a book by Richard Montanari, and his were like the first sort of crime books that I read. And I don't remember the name of it, but I remember someone being strapped to a chair and like chainsawed. Oh, yeah. And I can read it like it's absolutely fine reading it. That I was like, oh, that's that's a cool scene. But like at uni, I was the only one with a car. And my friend was like, my appendix about the burst. Can you drive me to the hospital? So I went with her, went into like the room with her. They poked her finger or a cannula in or something. And a little drop, like one drop of blood went on the bed. And it. I remember it spread night. One drop of blood, remember. And I had to go and sit outside because I felt faint. That is the level we're talking about. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say they pricked her finger and her appendix exploded and like <laughs> splattered you all, like the pressure release or something. Yeah, well, that, Did it. that would make me seem a bit more better. Understandable. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but you're okay writing about gore. You just don't want to see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I quite like those scenes where, like, yeah, people, you know, like a crime scene. And it's always quite fun to see how far you can push it or, or what little details you can include. Because I think that's one of the things, going back to the previous question about how you get it right procedurally, is to have, mm-hmm. I guess, the autopsy scene or or whatever, you know, it's it's sort of done. But I think it's an interesting thing to do where you know, you don't have to see the body being sort of cut up or whatever. But I think the little details that they can give leads to interesting leads, I guess is the word. Yeah. So I think that's quite, an, and I quite like that, knowing the clues or, or even things just like little like scrapes in certain places or a drop of blood here or there. I think it's it's a fun way to yeah to take the case forward. You can write a lot about blood in varying capacities, but just can't see a drop of it. Yeah, that's it. Even like teeth, I am like terrified of teeth falling out. So at the minute, my oh six, kids, yeah, my six year old has had eight teeth coming out, and my five year old hasn't had any. So anytime she's like, "Do you want to see my wobbly tooth?" I'm like, absolutely not. not. No, don't show your mum. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And then you have to handle the teeth and put them under pillows and stuff. Yeah, but see, once they're out, it's fine. It's the It's the it yeah. It's a thought of like it's the wobble. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just unnatural. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It is really weird. Yeah, I thought evolution should have sorted the teeth thing out because it's traumatic and weird. And also, if your whole thing is survival, just have teeth that don't chip or need fillings. Yeah. Do better. I mean, I guess do better, evolution. Thanks, Charles Darwin. <laughs> the thing is, though, if we still need to grow in your teeth, like either we're going to have babies born with giant teeth, which is terrifying, mm. or you're going to have adults being born, which is terrifying as well. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you navigate between the two. Well, like, like to get bones grow, don't they? So the teeth can just grow yeah. at the same rate. So they just start very tight. But that's what happens. I guess they fall out, and then you get the adult teeth. Why yeah. not just have one long tooth (laughs) (laughs) not one but like many teeth that just keep growing then yeah Yeah, that's a good point actually it's never gonna happen it's not not something we can have a a say in not in our lifetime unfortunately (laughs) um it's it breaks my heart but yeah that is interesting oh it is the same in the animal kingdom as well i wonder they just have their teeth dogs lose their teeth cats sharks like can grow them whenever they fancy don't they or like they're replaced can they Oh, that's useful, isn't it? Yeah, they've just got rows, don't they? And then they're like sort of like a conveyor belt. Fascinating stuff. This is completely off topic again. Uh, I went, you know Liv Matthews? Yeah. Yeah, lovely Liv. I went to visit her in Winchester a little while ago and she took me to this great shop. She knows I like taxidermy because I'm a bit gothy. And there was a shop and they had a Jack Russell skeleton in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd never seen a Jack Russell skeleton before, like a normal person. <laughs> but the teeth were like like quite intense. <laughs> like Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Should have bought it. Should've yeah, you should it. have done. What were you thinking? Well, I'm going back to Winchester soon, so could could bring bring <laughs> that doggy home with me. Bring that Christmas money with you. Well, a dog's for life, though, not just for Christmas, isn't it? So <laughs> I need to have the right approach. You could put a uh, like a red nose on it, and then it'd be like the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my god! And that's just adorable, isn't it? And I could attach it to a Roomba, and then it's like a little robot dog. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's Christmas sorted. Christmas sorted. Speaking of Christmas and your book, uh, let's bring it all back to that. Cleverly based on the title, the killer's got a list of people that they're working their way through. Where did that concept come from? Is it just a play on everybody having a Christmas list? Or was that a a moment of just you discussing it with someone and it came to you? Where did the inspiration come from? Yeah, again, like a chat with the editor. Um, We thought it would be fun to have like a, a list of items that, first of all, it's sort of like it's in a, in the first, body who's a grown man it's in his pocket so first of all why is it yeah what looks like a child's christmas list doing in his pocket so that, that was like a fun angle of why does he have it first of all but then coming mm-hmm. up with the items um to sort of correspond with each death so it was it became a bit of a after the first two the reader i guess and the characters will know that here's a little clue as to what's coming next if the police can't stop it so i kind of like the sort of um that thing of knowing but not knowing if you know what i mean like not knowing how they're going to stop it or not knowing actually how it's going to be because the first item's no angel and like what does that mean mm-hmm. that the first body is found in the shadow of the angel of the north 
I was hoping Robbie Williams would have been slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> but sadly not. No, poor Robbie. No, I am sure he's, I don't. I don't really mean that. I'm, so I don't want him to die. <laughs> have you watched? No, that's gone off topic again. I was just going to say the documentary, Netflix documentary. Though. No, I haven't. I, have no, you? Is it? I'm not no, I don't care. No, nah, I don't no. either. No. I watched the Beckham one, and that was very good. But I've heard that's very good. Again, though, I struggle to care. Should I care? Uh, nah. Okay, that's fine. Well, that's what I suspected. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, you were saying about the list. Yeah, so no angel. So it's sort of the again. It, it, I don't know if I'm going to spoil it. I think it's okay because you find out pretty quickly that the first body yeah. is a is a politician. Politician, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So the no angel thing of what's he been up to uh, sort of plays into. But he's a Tory. So <laughs> it could be anything, right? What, hasn't he had his fingers in? Oh, indeed. Ugh. Yeah, that's weird. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I meant pies, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's worse than the teeth thing for me if i'm honest that visual of stories of fingers in things <laughs> oh man um, yeah i can't remember sorry oh, yeah so the list the list was just the thing of like what is it and why is it there and yeah i thought it became like a little central thing through the book i like that and what's on your christmas list this year ah oh, it's so boring man i want to know <laughs> uh a wardrobe a wardrobe. No, I know, and we're getting new carpet tomorrow, and we've bought the wardrobe from IKEA. We got the design ourselves, which is pretty cool. That is cool. I just want books every year, and I've got too many books. Yeah. So I know it's a silly gift, but um, kind of what I want. I hope you get your wardrobe. <laughs> well, for Christmas. It's in. You got it in, coming. Well, you just have to wait for the carpet to go down. Then we're going to build it tomorrow night, so Christmas will come early. <laughs> Wow, you've been a very good boy this year. You get your wardrobe early. That's exciting. I hope you get some fun presents too, though. Not that yeah. that's not fun. Don't get me wrong. That sounds great. But um, it's not, is it? It's not. No. It's a sign of <laughs> being thirty-five and just like boring as. Well, you know, put some skeletons in it. Skeletons in your closet. That's fun, right? What I'd really like is that people enjoy my book. That's a good Christmas present, isn't it? It is. And I'm sure that they, I mean, already people are. It's in Goodreads. Everyone's loving it, which is great. The only slightly negative thing I saw was someone saying that uh, the Tories would never win in that part of England. Yeah. Like, I was like, all right, calm down. So it's fiction. <laughs> Shut up. So, yeah. There. That's, uh, you know what? That's like, there's just things that you don't think of. And like, it's entirely possible that that could happen. So, I mean, yeah, people need to shut up. <laughs> You know what? If you're listening, I don't mind. It's Frankie that's got the issue. <laughs> yeah, I think you should shut up if you're listening. You know, it's one of those things. But also, as we say, it's about taking things that are factual and making it work for the story. Like Graham Bartlett says, like it doesn't have to be entirely accurate. It's for entertainment purposes. So you're not writing a book on geopolitical studies for the UK. You're writing a, a crime thriller book. So absolutely, shut up. What's my point? Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, one other thing. But before we get to the really dark thing, I have to accuse you of being a fraud with your name, as I promised, Susie. Yes, um, absolutely Holiday. fine. Yeah. No, it's a great name choice. Yeah. Well, again, the, the sort of the the thing with working with a bigger publisher is that you know they suggested that, and they suggested well, not suggested. They come up with all the cool stuff. So I'm happy to just. You know, if, if they're willing to accept my words, I'm willing to accept whatever. So, um, yeah. Were you not tempted to go with Christmas? Yeah, well, there you go. That, <laughs> that was not a suggestion, unfortunately. Otherwise, that would have been the one that I'd starred. Next time. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. Do you think you'll write another, even if it's not a series in this, would you write another Christmas crime book, do you think? Yeah, I quite like it. I think it's like, because it could be read at any time of year. It's just that there's a bit of like yeah. Christmas reference in it. Um, but I like that because... I think Susie, I did like a launch with her and she said she started writing hers in like April or whatever, whereas I started mine last November. So it kind of was like Christmas started early, Christmas finished late, which was quite nice. Yeah. I just sort of kept it going. But yeah, I think like it was it was quite interesting because the crime isn't, well, I guess uh, I guess it is Christmas related with the whole list thing. So yeah, that, that negates my whole point. But <laughs> <laughs> it could be a straight crime thriller with like yeah, snowy references and ice and Christmas songs and things like that. So yeah, I really like. Yeah, it. it's great. And then I thought, if Christmas is a big thing, what's next? Could there be like Halloween, Easter? I was going to say Easter, right? Lends itself to crimes. It's all about death 
really, and life. Crucifixions. Crucifixions. Oh, you should write a crucifixion book. That would yeah. be great. I need... Yeah, don't look that up on YouTube. No. <laughs> and then my, my, the author name for that could be, like, Chris Crucifixion. 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 <laughs> there you go, yeah. Your name really lends itself to many uh, seasonal opportunities. That's good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Very useful, yeah. <laughs> good, good to know you've got that in the back pocket. Yeah. But now... Now, unfortunately, um, I'm very really sad to, to have to do this, Chris, because we've been having such a lovely chat. It's been such a pleasure to chat to you. But really, the reason I brought you on this podcast, actually, um, is to confront you. And you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah, I do. <sighs> you know that you have committed a truly terrible, awful, heinous crime. Surprisingly gory or not. I don't know yet. But, Chris, it's time for you to confess the crime that has, spoiler alert, led to you being sentenced to death yeah uh it's been a long road that's led me here <laughs> <laughs> mine would probably be or is cereal mm. making people feel uncomfortable wow okay that could be really dark though so you're gonna have to be very <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a tory or not like a tory <laughs> like, what, what i thought about when i when i thought about this is I'm from the north coast of Northern Ireland, where not a lot happens. Um, so when I moved to England, I was like impressed by like football stadiums or just a tall building. <laughs> so I would like walk around. I moved to London, and I'd I'd literally walk around and be like, "Oh my god, look at the stonework on that!" And <laughs> I, I like you know, like those tourists that drag their heels, and you're like, "Will you just move out of the way?" But they're looking at like a crenellation or whatever. Um, so. I, I was like impressed with that kind of thing. And then when I went to my first um like I think Harrogate was my first crime festival and I was literally like, Oh my god, it's him and I find myself sort of like staring or um <laughs> I I got a bit drunk at my first one and I remember Mick Heron who I'd just like flown through his his slow horses books. And he was just grabbing a burger, and I was like, "Ah, you're your class." And I, th- you know, in the back of your head, you're like, "He's getting a burger. Leave the man alone." <laughs> but you need to know. But so yeah, tell him. Like, when can I get this opportunity again? So I yeah. probably have just, I like, I'm quite friendly and stuff. But you know, you're just you're like very oh, friendly. Yeah, over maybe not over friendly because that has negative <laughs> connotations too. Don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a bit starey, maybe. Okay. And I think that's uh, enough. I mean, I don't know if it is enough to get the death penalty, unless you did it so much that like somebody was on it trying to back away and they fell off a cliff and died or something. I don't know. I'm trying or, or backed into traffic and got hit, hit by a car, or I don't know. Okay, something sinister has happened as a result of you staring too yeah. much at Mick Heron or just people and buildings in general. <laughs> I think just in general, it's been in like general. years. You know, like just repeat offence, and they're like, well, if you can't learn after like. 30 years stop looking at stuff there's nothing we can do for you <laughs> they like pop a pair of blinkers on you they're trying <laughs> and you just keep finding ways around it i guess yeah. yeah yeah okay okay fine well you have you've stared yourself to <laughs> the death penalty is that that's the worst one first. you've ever had not the worst one but it's the first of that nature that we've had well that's so, what congrats yeah okay I'm thinking, I, you know what, I think there's probably a, a, a more of a sinister undertone that we're not talking about here, but that's okay. You don't, you don't feel comfortable talking about it, that's fine. It doesn't matter. What, at the end of the day, you've been sentenced to death. Yeah, that's it's all happened. That. It's very unfortunate because, as I said, I think you're a very nice person. And I think I'd, I'd be surprised, you know, if you did something really bad, but here we are. But the good news is, good news is, it's not all bad because I can get you the death row meal of your dreams. Yes. Well, worth it. All that staring really yeah. paid off. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> So what would your death row meal be? Uh, well, I've thought long and hard about this. And Good. it's probably going to be the most beige meal you will ever see. Brilliant. I'm the sort of person that if they go to a fancy restaurant, they'd like, like do you have ketchup for this kind of thing, you know? I'm not a foodie. But I know what I like. So, and this, yeah, my my <laughs> starter would be Pizza Hut dough balls. Pizza Hut, not Pizza Express. Oh, sorry, no. Yeah, yeah. Pizza Express. Now that is, oh, okay. okay. I've got it wrong. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, they're good with garlic butter. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good garlic stuff. in this. You must <laughs> go out with a bang, breathing <laughs> all over the person who's finishing you. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, when like one of the things that you research in crime is after like a time, the body sort of releases its Puffs smells. Up. Yeah. 
I'd like it to be a treat for everyone. <laughs> a delicious garlicky aroma amidst. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, I like that. Okay, so Doble's to start. There's my starter. The main, there was a place where, when I moved to London, called Dollar in Clerkenwell. It shut down shortly after I moved, but I had like... Coincidence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there comes the garlic guy. Um... <laughs> He's staring so much. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I had like one burger in there and you know where like you convince yourself that it's the best burger because you can't go back, but I'm pretty sure it is. And I've since found out that Tony Kent also went there quite a lot and he, he said the burger was like the you know incredible. So Okay. I've had confirmation. So I'm I'd like if you could bring that back for me for one last Sure. Yeah, I'd have that. And I'd have garlic fries for the side. Yep, good. So Pop good. Up. Cut into cubes. Perfect. This burger, what is in it? Tell me the layers. What are we dealing with here? Um, cheese. Yep. And then tobacco onions. Ooh. And that's it. Do you know what? I think I've heard of that burger, weirdly. That sounds familiar. The tobacco onions sound familiar to mm. me. Um, that sounds really yeah, good. They're so good. Uh, there's a restaurant at home uh, called The Coast, um, and... They still do that kind of burger, um, and it is quality still, but the fabled dollar burger lives like rent-free in my head, so I just, uh, nothing ever compares to it. You know what's really funny? I've just realised where I've heard that before. That was from you at Capital Crime. You told me about this burger. <laughs> yeah, bitch, yeah. <laughs> I was like, someone else has told me about this burger. It was you. Yeah, it's this one guy that knows what they are. He was staring a lot and talking about this burger. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, no, it still sounds really good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And I reckon we can get tobacco in prison, you know, so that should be quite easy to make. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we had this discussion about what they wear, <laughs> and I don't think we got there, did we? No, I think we did. Because in my head, it's just like onions dipped in an ashtray and like kind of yeah, about. Yeah, not a good death row meal. No. And then we talked about, I remember this, we talked about Tamako, the Simpsons episode with the, <laughs> the tobacco tomatoes. Yeah. Ah, it's good times. Yeah. Good memories of our conversation yeah. after crime. Okay, and a dessert? And then the dessert is from that same restaurant back at home. They do a honeycomb cheesecake and it is delightful. And then also you're like, there's that, but then if I could pick a place, it would be of that course. place as well because it's right by the sea. And it's like massive plate glass windows and it's just, yeah, beautiful. That's a good final location for a meal. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, do you have a method of death? Do you have a preference? Uh, well, again, this is some death thought... <laughs> There you go. That's your new Listen section. There you go. What's your deference? <laughs> um, I think probably a needle because uh, the Green Mile has ruined the... Um, chair for me yeah that was a bit, of a bit of a downer wasn't it really the whole thing yeah i think i'd go firing squad if i had a choice yeah quick that, and easy isn't it yeah is it quick like do you, i go for the head presumably do they well yeah that makes sense i guess then then people survive I, I, i'd hope so well do because uh, i've heard hor- we shouldn't go into this horrible details but i've heard horrible details about the injection not going well oh have yeah Oh, where it like burns the veins and stuff. Yeah, and like this agonizing pain. Anyway, there's no nice way to, no. to end, I suppose. Uh, also, I went for an injection once when I was probably about 24 and was like, ah. And the nurse said, ugh, grow up. So maybe injection isn't the way to go either for. <laughs> but so you're, you're going to die anyway. So I think you're allowed to be a bit petulant <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> like, I think that's fine. Uh, sympathetic nurse, Jesus. Uh, and what drink would you like with your your burger and honeycomb cheesecake? Well, this is where I find a bit of difficulty because I love a Coke, uh, but I'm not supposed to be drinking it. So I'm trying to do Joe Wicks and sort of kind of... Also, you're about to be killed. So I kind of think it's fine. I was talking to my kids about this during dinner. Not, not, not about the thing, but I was saying, what would your last <laughs> meal be? And then I was talking about mine. They were like, well, you'd have a Coke for your drink. But there's a cafe just down the road that has a Biscoff milkshake. Ooh. Incredible. So I'm thinking maybe that might that might be the last thing. Do you know what? You can have both. Can I? I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah. Coke for the meal, honeycomb cheesecake, finish off with a milkshake. Boom. That's a good that's a good last meal. That's yeah, great. I think so. Okay, good. Well I'm glad that's worked out well for you because unfortunately 
you are now dead. I'm really sorry. Really sad. Uh, it went very seamlessly, though, and no pain or burning veins. It was it was great. It was, <laughs> it was really, really successful. Good job, everyone. Uh, but one last good thing we're going to do for you is we're going to bury you with the book of your choice. What book would you be buried with? Okay. I've thought hard about this as well. I might take The Stand because um, I've not read it yet. And every time I do, <laughs> I just think, oh, it's so big. Like, it's hard. So, um, yeah. You'll have plenty of time when you're dead. Yeah, exactly. So I might be able to get through it. But then I also thought I might take the Doomsday book because then if I'm ever like, well, first of all, people would be like, where is it? So there'd have to be like a big search and then they'd find Ah. it in my coffin. They'd be like, exhumed. Who's this dude? Um, What's (laughs) What's this guy's story? Why do you think of garlic? It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) The, The book's ruined. Yeah, the book would be ruined, I guess. So that <laughs> That's fine. It's just because it's mainly because of the garlic erosion that's embedded in the pages. <laughs> but I thought maybe if 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 they dug me up and they're like, well, who is we need to know about his backstory? And then maybe in like I don't know how long in the future it is, but they might be like, Oh, he was an author, and if he's buried with the doomsday book, you know, might might be decent. Yeah. And then so, they read your books and then you get a nice spike in sales. For your from kids beyond the grave, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a nice story. Okay. Okay, do you know what? You can have both. Uh, thank you. You're being very generous. I'm a very generous person, but also I think it'd be interesting. They're like, this guy, why has he got the Doomsday book? And why is a copy of The Stand in here too? <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is really fucking weird. <laughs> what a weird combination. <laughs> so I like that. Fantastic. Well, I'm sorry you're dead, Chris, but it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for coming on. The book is out on the 23rd of November. Available everywhere? All good bookshops? Yeah, for the first time, yeah. And... Burt's books do like a lovely I mean I used to have a subscription with them for Robert Cray's series and they always came like beautifully wrapped and things like that but um yeah wherever you want to buy them but indie shopping's always good in it very much so also I love Robert Cray's as well he came on the podcast he was so lovely yeah he was I listened to it yeah at the time and I also <laughs> re-listened to it last week and just Aww. he's the coolest guy isn't he oh so cool so nice so lovely and just so ready to confess to murder i really yeah. appreciated that about him was he mass murder <laughs> just straight in straight yeah into yeah it? yeah yeah and he said he wanted to swim in an apple pie a molten yeah, apple yeah. pie <laughs> i really respected that about him yeah i hope he comes to harrogate because he was supposed to come to harrogate this year but he got covid didn't yeah. he yeah yeah i was gonna see him in manchester and we were gonna go for beers and i was so excited Aww. and then he yeah he cancelled Hopefully he'll come to Harrogate next year then. We can yeah. get him then. You can stare at him then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll regret that signing up for beers with me. <laughs> <laughs> just constant eye contact throughout the beer, just staring at him. And where can people follow you on the internet? Well, I'm I'm sort of stuck in my ways where I'm mainly on Twitter, um, even though, you know, it's not what it was. But yeah, I'm C. Mac writes crime there and everywhere else. I think it's sort of similar same handle for places i like your instagram as well i think you're doing good yeah i find that difficult because you need to post a photo with everything and and sometimes you just want to say stuff without having some sort of thing but yeah i quite like it it's sort of my next favorite one i think because yeah like you said blue sky's a bit quiet and threads didn't really take off how it should facebook's weird for being like an author page i can't i don't know how to work it so yeah twitter and instagram are my main go-to's good choices and what about you? Oh, well, because you're filling in for Sarah, doing a good job. Well, people can follow us at Red and Berry Podcast at most of the places, not TikTok, but we're everywhere else and equally uh, unenthused on all of them at the moment. <laughs> but please do. Um, or people can email us redandburiedpodcast at gmail.com or they can visit our website at redandburiedpodcast.com. So multiple options there. Lots but- of good options. Oh, well, Chris, thank you again. I'm going to let you go and have a nice evening now. But before you do, we never know how to end the podcast. We're really bad at it. How should we end this? Um, I think you should cut me off mid-sentence. Just... Hello, and this is Chucky Vision on the We Made This Network, the podcast for all things Chucky. I'm Dev Elson. And I'm Mark Adams. We're two queer podcasters who love bloody horror... Camp comedy, gay romance, and referencing icons like Freddy, Jason, and Britney. The Chucky films and new TV show deliver all of that, and there is still so much more to cover. So if you want to play, 
Find Chucky Vision on Twitter at Chucky Vision and on all good podcast providers. And yes, the title is a Chuckle Vision pun. Because why not? <laughs>